My name's Will DeFreeze, and this is the Sunday Scaries Podcast, your cure for the Sunday blues. This week, we're going to discuss reading the newspaper, summer-scented candle recommendations, and chronic workplace stress. The Aperol spritzes are flowing. Half-day Fridays are in full effect, and most of our weekends leave us wondering what we should be doing about our sunburns rather than anything else. It's summer, and I think you know what that means. It's time for an updated list of summery scented candles to add to your panic room. More often than not, I get stuck in my ways. I'm a creature of habit, for better or for worse. I find something, and I use it until I simply get absolutely sick of it. In this case, I'm referring to my go-to summer scent, Maison Louis Marie's number four candle. It smells of sandalwood, cedarwood, vetiver, nutmeg, cinnamon, and amberwood. Every night for the past couple months, I've trimmed my wick, lit it, and allowed myself to fall into a summer daze. It's gotten so bad that someone even commented that the scent was rubbing off on my Springer Spaniel Rosie. Needless to say, it's time to change it up. Time to leave my old candles behind. Time to travel into the dark and emerge with a range of new experiences. Or, at the very least, just get a new scented candle to add to my Sunday rotation. The first is from a company you may already be familiar with, Malin and Getz. Largely known for their face, body, and hair products, they also have a large range of scented candles that are appropriate for every season. Today, though, we're going to discuss one that's somewhat off the beaten path. It's their new cannabis candle. Don't worry, your apartment manager won't bust you for allegedly smoking weed while burning this candle. It doesn't truly smell like cannabis, and it is much earthier and heartier than your normal scented candle is. With top notes of fresh lemon and orange, your nose then drifts into middle notes of fig and pepper. And to finish, oak moss, sandalwood, amber, and patchouli. It comes with a 60-hour burn time for $55. A little heady, a little granola-y, and yes, it may remind you of your Trustafarian friend who followed widespread panic a little bit too long. But hey, sometimes it's fun to take a trip down memory lane. For our next two candles, we're going to take a brief trip to Italy. I've been mentally planning a trip to Italy for years now with no actual itinerary to make it there, so why not bring Italy to our panic rooms? Aqua de Parma is a company that I've loved for years. Based in Italy, obviously, they largely produce high-end fragrances and perfumes. My favorite items, though, are their body lotions, deodorants, and, of course, their scented candles. This scent in particular can be found in two of the three aforementioned categories, body lotion and candles. It's from their Blue Mediterranean line of products and falls into the Bergamot family. Of course, when I first smelled it, I had no idea what bergamot actually was. While it looks like a lime on the surface, it's really a hybrid of a lemon and a bitter orange. Citrusy and perfect for a warm midsummer's night, Aqua de Parma describes it as one of Italy's most precious fruits, but the candle itself smells of cedar, cedarwood, red ginger, vetiver, musk, and obviously heavy notes of bergamot. I'd be lying to you if I said it wasn't my favorite all-time scent, but unfortunately it runs about $69 per candle, so these purchases are few and far between. And with some hesitation, I bring you our final candle, the Rolls Royce of summery scented candles. I should come out of the gates and tell you up front that it will run you more than I ever thought a scented candle could cost, a massive $330 for a modest 120 hours of burn time. Based off the creations of Italian painter, sculptor, and engraver Piero Fornasetti, the Fornasetti cocktail candle is the end-all be-all. Unlike many candles, the allure of this specific piece isn't just the smell, but also the container. One look at it and you realize what I'm talking about. 
painted bottles of gin and whiskey, a cup of olives and a cocktail shaker, you'll want to save this container for long after the candles burn through. Inspired by Italy's high summers, the candle has an intoxicating array of smells covering everything from cypress, ivy, bergamot, pink peppercorn, thyme, cedarwood, vetiver, and more. Handmade in Italy, the ceramic container has three separate wicks for you to light simultaneously. While it's likely you may find yourself watching your luckier friends vacationing across Italy from the comfort of your cubicle, at the very least, some strategic scented candle purchases could help ease the pain of clicking through their 25-slide Instagram story. Before we get to the other segments, this week's episode is brought to you by Me Undies. By going to www.meundies.com slash Gary's, you can have 15% off of your order. Most people don't know that you spend about 90% of your life in underwear. So you don't think you owe it to yourself to make sure you're wearing the softest undies in town? That's why I only wear Me Undies. I can say without a doubt that Me Undies are the softest underwear I've ever owned. It's not often that I endorse a product that I use on a daily basis, but with Me Undies, I do just that. Not only are these soft, but they're also made for both men and women. Men can now try the new boxer brief with a fly, which is the same great cut as the boxer brief, but now with an added option for guys who prefer to go through the gate versus over the fence. MeUndies is also a go-to for the softest loungewear on the planet. You can spend your Sunday hanging out in their super comfy lounge pants and onesies, and yes, MeUndies makes onesies, and yes, they're incredible. MeUndies has a great offer for my listeners. For any first-time purchasers, when you purchase MeUndies, you get 15% off and free shipping. To get your 15% off of your first pair in free shipping and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to www.meundies.com slash Gary's. That's meundies.com slash Gary's for 15% off. And yes, you can find that in the description of this very episode. What are your coping mechanisms? What relaxes you? Those two questions are something I ask nearly everyone that comes on this podcast. It's an interesting perspective on what each individual person does to tune out the world. Recently on a trip, I was told by someone that they never feel more at peace than when they're in the garden. This didn't surprise me necessarily, but when applying it to my life, it actually makes little sense for me. Deep down, I wish I had a green thumb. I'd love to harvest my own herbs and spices for home-cooked meals, but the thing is, I'm just bad at it. And it gets too hot, and it's too dirty, And again, I just can't seem to keep anything alive. For me, my coping mechanisms aren't anything out of the ordinary. Watching television, walking my dog, or more recently, my attempts at meditation. It wasn't until this past week that I realized that one of my favorite current hobbies is actually reading the newspaper. These days, newspapers are somewhat outdated. No one needs a stack of paper delivered to their door when they can just take in those same columns online in a much faster manner. By the time the newspapers actually get delivered to your doorstep or mailbox, the content in them is already outdated, out of fashion, archaic, it's obsolete. But that's kind of why I love them. Currently, I get two different newspapers. The Sunday New York Times, which I subscribe to solely for the magazines, and a weekly newspaper from my hometown that usually arrives about a week after it actually comes out there. While sure, some of the stories from my hometown newspaper are old, that simply doesn't matter me when I plop down on the couch and open it up. They aren't covering national news stories or even statewide news stories all that often, but news that's pertinent to only those who live or have lived in Harbor Springs, Michigan. Yes, the events are still somewhat current, but that's also relative to someone like me who lives 1,500 miles away. Does it matter that I'm hearing about a construction project a week too late? 
No. Do I care that the varsity soccer game I'm reading about was actually four games ago? No, absolutely not. Because it's not actually why I'm reading it. I'm not reading for information. I'm reading to relax. Rather than quickly logging onto the newspaper's website from my laptop or phone, I'm consciously making the decision to sit down, unwind, and take the light of a screen off my face. I get to see the intricacies of the paper that remind me of things from the past. Companies of my friend's parents advertising on the back, graduating seniors with last names of people who I never thought would be old enough to have kids, and minor notes about areas that I seem to have forgotten when I venture home. Perhaps it's not so much as relaxing as it is nostalgic, but that once a week sit down with a cup of coffee or a glass of wine has managed to become one of the most therapeutic times of my week. And the added bonus? Newspapers also have an unexplainably soothing aesthetic to them as well, be it in person or on Instagram, but preferably in person. I landed what I would have described as my dream job in May of 2015. And while nothing I did at this said job would indicate that it wasn't my dream job, there were moments when I lost sight of what was in front of me. The opportunity to do something I loved while surrounded by people doing the same. I took ownership over everything I did. I woke up every morning without that all too familiar feeling of wishing I could go back to sleep. I willingly worked on weekends because the thought of losing my job outweighed the fun I could have been having. They say that if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And that's kind of bullshit. Through it all, you realize that no matter what you're doing, burnout is inevitable. This May, the World Health Organization actually classified and upgraded burnout from a state of exhaustion to a syndrome resulting from chronic workplace stress in its international disease classification. That wordy quote was pulled from the New York Times, so let me explain it in a little more approachable way. Essentially, feeling completely zapped at work is no longer something we feel, but something we need to fight head on. Another statistic that may drive the point home is that 95% of human resource executives think that burnout is hurting efforts to retain workers. It's something that we all feel whether it's our first gig out of college, your longtime career, or an aforementioned dream job. But where do we draw the line between the medicalized term of chronic workplace stress and simply just disliking our jobs? No matter how much you may like a job after accepting it, there's always a time where you grow tired of something or someone that makes the quality of your daily life diminish a little bit. Someone in a position of power above me once told me that anxiety wasn't something that people dealt with decades ago. It was just called stress and you dealt with it. It didn't only discount the feelings of colleagues who felt inundated by this anxiety, but it discounted an entire group of people who are medically diagnosed with it. It was defeating, it was short-sighted, and most of all, it was representative of a way of thinking that I knew I didn't want to be a part of in a personal or professional manner. The biggest issue here, though, is that we don't really have a solution for this. If you try to work less, you risk losing your job. If you take a vacation to get things out of your system, you often return feeling more drained than refreshed. If you take mental health days, something we've talked about before, you run the risk of looking lazy or weak to your coworkers who may not see eye to eye with you. And so the problem compounds itself. It amplifies with every decision you make based on the burden of stress that you're feeling. Showing weakness in the workplace puts your future in doubt but acting too harshly or impulsively does the same as well. These days, I've mitigated it, partially because of a drastic change in my work schedule and responsibilities, and partially because I'm in a position when I can finally take my foot off the gas a little bit rather than tailor my work to superiors. So while I don't have any advice to cure any particular stress you may or may not be feeling, 
I simply want you to enter work tomorrow with one thing in mind, a heightened sensitivity to the chronic workplace stress that you or another coworker may be feeling. And once you do that, the passive aggressive emails you send as the clock gets closer to five o'clock may not feel as satisfying. And that's a good thing. If you liked what you heard today, make sure to subscribe, review, or tell a friend in need about this podcast. By subscribing, you guarantee that each and every episode gets delivered directly to your phone every Sunday. You can also follow along on Twitter, which is at SundayScaries, and Instagram, which is at Sunday.Scaries. Or you can follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at WillDeFreeze. And remember, always trim the wicks on your scented candles. See you next Sunday.